Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, we open our hearts and our minds, and we ask that you will lead us in this time of study. We pray that you will open your scriptures to us. We pray that they will provide guidance and comfort and peace and your revelation. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us. Allow us to see where you are in our lives right now, to experience your presence and to follow you closely. We ask your blessing on this time in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, it has been a terrible, hard, difficult week with the passing of Samuel Benshoff. It has been a shock to most of us, I think, to the entire church, really. And we have all been grieving in one way or another. Literally thousands of people were praying for Samuel as we went through this past weekend. And uh, we know that ultimately that prayer was answered as Samuel is with Jesus is in heaven right now. He is completely healed. But you know, here in the family of the body of Christ, we mourn. There are so many cliches that come up when we lose somebody, you know, and we want to say something, we want to fill in the blank. Uh, you know, he's, we say he's in a better place. Or we say, it must have been the will of God. We, and we know those things are true, but they are not necessarily always helpful when we share them with family and friends. You know, sometimes they hear, sorry for your loss, so many times that it becomes an irritation rather than a comfort. And, and we wonder, what do we say? How do we say it? I, I think it's, it's best a lot of the time to come to offer, how can I help? How can I serve you? And to be present. Sometimes just being there, that's the thing. So there are so many questions that come up when we experience tragic loss. And I'll confess to you this morning, I do not have answers to some of those questions. There are some of those things I've wrestled with my entire Christian life. So I can't tell you this morning why that happened. We often wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? But one thing I do know, God is still here, and God loves you, and he cares very much about what happened, and he cares very much about what you're feeling this morning and what you're all going through. Several years ago, when I was a young pastor at Bridalwood Church in Toronto, our friend's daughter had leukemia. It was her second or third go-round with the disease, and, and it was really wearing them down financially and emotionally and physically and spiritually. And Bonnie and I paid a visit to Ronald McDonald House where the parents and family were staying. Uh, they were providing housing for them for free. And we took over a couple of groceries and came to offer our comfort in any way that we could. Well, as it turned out, when we got there, they comforted us more than we comforted them. Seeing this young child who'd been a guest in our house, who'd played with our daughter, who at five or six was probably coming very near the end of her life, it was almost more than we could bear. You know, and within minutes of walking into the hospital room, we were just in tears. 
Inevitably, these questions jump into your mind. Why? Why someone so young? Doesn't God see the pain? Doesn't he see the hurt? Why is he letting this happen? Doesn't God care? All of those questions just kind of come in and cause turmoil for us. Sam, the father of this child, recognized what was happening right away when we, we started, you know, we were there and we didn't know what to say, and he could see what was going through our minds. And uh, so while Bonnie went off to spend some time with Lori, Sam sat down with me and he, he told me how he was feeling. He told me how he felt. And what he said was something that I will never forget. It was something like this. Sam said, don't ask why, because that's not the issue. The thing we need to remember is that God loves us and cares about us, and he's right beside us right now in this moment. Now, I couldn't believe it. There's a man whose daughter was dying soon, very likely, and he was encouraging me with his faith. And I was amazed. And he, he told me a few times that, that the, the, the first few times that they had almost lost Kara, that, that it just took its toll time and time again. And so they decided that if they were going to survive this terrible thing in their lives, that they were going to have to trust God in his word. Jesus had said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And they decided to believe it and to take God the way he was. God had shown himself in their lives numerous times that he was loving and caring. And he'd shown in his word and he'd shown really through their entire lives that, that he was there for them. And so they decided to believe that God had not changed. They were following the Bible's promise. Sam told me, it hurt like crazy. And he didn't understand any of it, but he trusted God. Three or four years later, their daughter died, and they still held very tightly to their faith in God, maybe even more so. Uh, young Kara had been a very compelling witness for Jesus. Even when she had been interviewed on television and in the newspaper, she told everybody she could talk to that no matter what happened, Jesus was her savior, and she trusted Jesus. Sam told me that, that many came to saving faith in Jesus Christ as a result of that witness. I've heard some pretty good stories this week about Samuel. Some of you have shared them with me, and, and some of you have uh, received them, and uh, Benchoffs have shared some of these this week. Um, just about Samuel's influence on the people around him. Uh, some of the young men on the soccer team, for example, there was a story that was shared earlier this week that, that just talked of the kind of impact that he had. I'm sure some of these things will be shared at the memorial service this week, and that's a good thing. These stories help to encourage us, and, and ultimately they help us with healing. Our friends Sam and Lori had grieved a lot for their daughter, but they did say they had some measure of comfort. While they didn't understand it, they felt God used this terrible time in their lives to draw them and others closer to him through Jesus. 
Now, that doesn't mean they didn't have dark times. They had some really dark times. But their lives were a great witness of God's love and his care, even in circumstances that made it appear that God didn't care. To the casual observer, especially to somebody who wasn't a follower of Christ, to look at the situation from the outside would be to say, where is God? Obviously, God doesn't care. But that's not how they felt. Sometimes we go through some terrible things in life, some really dark things, and we wonder if God really cares about us. In the Bible, in John chapter 11, there is a story that I think helps us to see that God really does care. It's something that happened to Jesus, and one of Jesus' closest friends, a man named Lazarus, died, and it really affected Jesus. Let me read you part of that story in John chapter 11. Uh, I encourage you to open your Bible uh, at John 11, and we're going to start at verse 17. Jesus had been ministering at the same place where John the Baptist had been baptizing. And he got the word from his friends, Lord, the one you love is sick. Well, this tells us, this expression is only used in a few places in the New Testament, and it tells us that that. The relationship was particularly close, that this was one of Jesus' best friends, as were Lazarus' brother, or sisters, rather, Mary and Martha. But Jesus didn't go right away. Many people believing in Jesus, it was all happening at this, at this riverside, and, and he continued to stay there for two more days, ministering to them. But after a couple of days, he says, let us go back to Judea. Picking up at verse 17, this is what it says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask for. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside and said, The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, 
He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you lain him, he said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there will be a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. There's a, a verse here that I think reflects some of those questions that we have. It's verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. I think it might be the slide before that. Nope. We're in different territory. Well, it, it, when, when Mary says that, or when Martha says that, Lord, if you've been here, he would not have died, it's an accusation. Martha is almost but not quite saying, Jesus, this is really all your fault. If you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. We called for you, but you didn't answer. Where were you when we needed you? It almost says, not quite, but almost says, I needed you and you let me down. Don't you really care? But Jesus did care. And I want you to notice three things about this passage. The first is that Jesus cares deeply. In the first part of that story, Mary and Martha sent word that Lazarus was sick and dying. But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And we might look at that and believe, well, Jesus didn't really care very much. He didn't come right away. He didn't care about what was happening. He didn't care about his friends. But we know that this couldn't be further from the truth. This passage in, in verses 3 and 5 tells us that Jesus loved these people, Lazarus and Martha and Mary, that it points us out here, shows us that he loved them very much. And Jesus didn't delay because he didn't care. He loved them. And you'll notice that, that Mary makes the identical claim that her sister did against Jesus. In verse 32, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. A little further down, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept is the shortest scripture in the Bible, and I think it's one of the most important. It tells you what Jesus was feeling. It tells you that he was in grief just like the others. It tells you that, that Jesus cares about the loss of his friends and the loss that the others were feeling and that were, they were hurting over. You know, I've heard a lot of explanations as to why Jesus was weeping. I think a lot of them are cold-hearted. Uh, some have assumed that Jesus was weeping because of the people's lack of faith and their lack of understanding. Well, I'll tell you right up front, I don't believe that for a minute. I don't think that's what's going on here. I think that's you know, somebody trying to prove their theological position, but I don't think it's what the text is telling us. I believe that Jesus was weeping because his best friend had just died. When Jesus saw Mary and the others weeping, it says he was deeply moved. Jesus cared deeply about what was happening, and he was hurting too. You know, as you continue down through this passage in verse 38, it tells us again, when he came to the tomb, he was deeply moved. This is not uncaring. This is not justifying a theological position. This is Jesus feeling along with the others. And there is no doubt whatsoever that Jesus cared about what happened to his friend and for the grief that his sisters were sharing. You know, sometimes when we're hurting, when our hearts are really breaking, I, I think we're tempted to think that God doesn't really care about us. But, but just like with Lazarus, I, I think that couldn't further be from the truth. Jesus loves us intensely. He doesn't say it explicitly, but given God's love for us and what happened with Lazarus, I often picture Jesus weeping when we weep. I just get that sense that there are times when we're in anguish and agony and Jesus is right there weeping along with us. God loved us so much that it says he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's how much God loves every person on the planet. He sent Jesus to die for us so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could have life forever with him. When I was first invited to believe in faith, and I had been sitting in on a, a lot of discussions between two fellows that I knew who were talking about the Bible and about what it means to believe in Jesus, and, and finally one day they turned to me and said, what about you? Do you want to receive Jesus? And, and I thought about it, and I, I was pretty sure I had a lot of stuff to clean up in my life before I could be loved by God, and so I said, no, I, I don't think I'm ready yet for that. And I realized after that I totally misunderstood the love of God. I think I was wrong, and thank God I was wrong. God loved me even before I made one single change in my life. 
He loved me while I was still in my sin. And because of that love and because of that experience, I know that Jesus cares about me, not only in that salvation experience, but in other parts of my life as well. And my experience with God has been that he not only gave me life when I became born again, but that he has given me life through all of my 63 years. He is there, and Jesus cares. The second thing I want you to notice out of this passage is that Jesus knows. Jesus cares about us, but he also knows what we're going through. In John 11, 11, Jesus tells his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, he's on his way back. They don't know this. There is no indication in the passage that, that Lazarus had died. Uh, he says, I'm going there to wake him up. And of course, the disciples misunderstand. They say, Lord, well, if you, if you let him sleep, he's going to get better. They just weren't tracking with him at all. So he made it more clear. He said plainly, Lazarus is dead. There's no indication of an email from Bethany or a call on the cell phone or a post on Facebook or on Instagram. He simply knew what was happening a couple of miles away in Bethany. Jesus knew about his friend Lazarus' death, and he knew about his other friend's need and their pain and their grief. And just like Jesus knew about Lazarus, Jesus knows about what we're going through right now. He knows our hurts. He knows our loss. He knows our pains. He knows our needs. Jesus knows. In 1 John 3.20, the apostle writes, For God is greater than our hearts because he knows everything. The psalmist writes, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind from his dwelling place, and he watches all who live on earth. Who for, he forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. That's Psalm 33, 13. And God knows, he says, in that same psalm, Psalm 33, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and those whose hope are in his unfailing love. God knows because he sees us. And he's here with us. Jesus loves and cares about us, and he knows what you're feeling, and he knows what you're going through. It hasn't escaped his attention. He wasn't busy doing something else and, and missed out on what you're going through. And the third thing that's important in this passage is that God responds through Jesus. Jesus cares, Jesus knows, and Jesus responds. And they called for him, Jesus delayed his coming. So Mary and Martha might have thought Jesus wasn't coming. I mean, that's not the usual way that Jesus operated. Jesus didn't do what he thought or what they thought that he would do. And he didn't do what they expected him to do. Have you ever had that happen when you pray? You know, pray for a certain thing. You, you, you pray so hard for a certain thing that it'll come out a certain way, and then God responds, but he doesn't respond the way that you prayed. He comes with something different. 
something unexpected. You called on Jesus and his answer wasn't taking you where you wanted to go. These people, these sisters, they knew that Jesus had great power, that he could even heal Lazarus from a distance if he wanted to. But they knew for sure that if he was there, he wouldn't let Lazarus die. Even the people who came to comfort Mary and Martha, they, they, uh, they also were very critical of Jesus. They, they, they were saying that Jesus could have done something, should have done something to save Lazarus. But Jesus did arrive, just not when he was expected. And he did respond, just not the way that they had hoped. But he did respond. And so when he gets there, Jesus says, take away the stone. This is not what they had in mind. They knew he'd been in there four days. But Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, and Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now I know that all of the, the people who were praying for Samuel, maybe up to a thousand of us, we were praying and praying fervently, and I think that's the outcome we were praying for. And we prayed hard in one accord. We prayed that God would heal him and raise him up right then. But God chose to answer our prayers in a different way than we had hoped for. A different way than we had expected. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's not that he didn't hear us. It's not that you didn't have enough faith. We pray for what we hope for, but we do so according to God's will, which is not always clear and not always easy to understand. He knows so much more about every situation than we are ever going to understand. But ultimately, God chose to heal Samuel in a way that we didn't expect. But you know, God wasn't surprised when Samuel showed up at his door. And he welcomed him into his arms. We aren't going to understand when terrible things happen. In fact, frequently we don't understand. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care. It doesn't mean that he hasn't heard us or that he hasn't responded to us in prayer. Jesus cares. Jesus knows what we're going through. And Jesus does respond. And sometimes that response is different than we expect, but God is always right where we are. He's always present, as my Sam, friend Sam reminded me. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And sometimes Jesus' response is something different than that. Sometimes Jesus' response is to take us into his arms and to hold us as we go through the difficulty and the pain and the suffering. Think about the way we hold one of our own children or our grandchildren or small children when they're hurting. God holds us like that. 
Jesus loves us. And that love doesn't evaporate over time. It only grows stronger, I'm convinced. And you see more evidence of it the longer you live. As we walk with Jesus, we, we feel the love of God in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes it's ways we don't expect. Sometimes it's how we hoped. Sometimes it's different, but it's always the love of God. And it never, ever stops. He loves you, and he loves me. I learned a little song a long, long time ago that expresses God's care for me. Uh, maybe I can encourage you to sing the chorus with me this morning. And think about it when things get very difficult. It reminds us of Jesus' love for us. And it's very theologically deep. And it goes like this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Sing with me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Father God, sometimes we are confused and our faith is shaken. Sometimes we hurt so bad that we even have doubts. But you have big shoulders. You can handle anything we throw at you. You can handle our whys, all our questions. And you're always there, even when we struggle especially when we struggle. Jesus, Son of God, we put our trust in you. And we put our arms around you as you hold us close. We thank you for saving us and for your presence here and now. Holy Spirit, heal us. Bring your comfort. We feel raw and worn out by grief. Restore us and strengthen us. Lord, bring your comforting presence to the Benshaw family. Surround them with your love. Give them the strength to endure just as, as you have been during this terrible week. Give them strength to doubt and yet believe. Heal their broken hearts. We thank you for the memories that we have of young Samuel, so many of them. And we thank you for his witness. Lord, may the Benchoffs, their family, and their friends cherish those memories. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen.